The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And there's screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is to Tommy Lasser Sports Talk Radio Show, VoiceAmerica.com, Alex Clancy in studio. I believe I'm solo today. Got a lot to talk about. Um, Kentucky, UConn last night, great game. Connecticut wins 60-54. How much weight is put on having upperclassmen versus starting five freshmen? I'll get into that. Coach Calipari is rumored to be the new head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. I'll talk about that as well and how I do not agree that that is even even a possibility. A couple free agent signings in the NFL that are pretty interesting. Andre Brown to the Texans. I'll talk about that predominantly. Uh, it's very interesting. With if you followed the show, I've, I've said that especially in Houston with the number one overall pick, if you have two able-bodied running backs, then drafting a quarterback becomes more feasible at the number one position because it allows for some sort of crutch for uh, a young quarterback to to learn and grow in the NFL in his rookie year. And I'll talk some NBA. It's it's getting down to the wire. It's about one minute left in the proverbial NBA season. Uh, and the Phoenix Suns have, hold their own fate. So uh, I'll definitely get into some Phoenix Suns talk uh, because now it's crunch time and, it, and it's getting more and more exciting by the moment. Connecticut 60-54 over Kentucky last night. The highest combined seeding in NCAA title game history. Kentucky being, or Kentucky being an 8 seed, the Huskies being a 7 seed. I picked Connecticut to win this game uh, for a couple reasons. One, selfishly, I felt that if Kentucky won, it would be a huge detriment to the NBA and their vision of changing the one-and-done rule. I believe that if Kentucky would have won, especially if they would have blown out Connecticut, that it would have reduced the NBA's thought process of going to at least two-year stint in college would reduce it to rubble. And I don't think that there's necessarily a direct correlation between success in college basketball as a freshman and success in the NBA. Just because you win a championship in college basketball as a freshman doesn't necessarily mean that you're ready to go to the NBA. We look at Anthony Davis. Uh, he, had, he had a rough rookie year. He got injured for a good part of it. Uh, and now he's an all-star in his second year. So it begs the question, if he were to have stayed another year in college, would there have been less growing pains in the NBA? And I don't know. That's on the other side of the argument. Is it better to learn on the job than to hone as much skill as you can in college and still go through the growing pains of rookie year. 
there's a lot of physical things that need to be dealt with once you get to the NBA. One, you need to get bigger. I would say upwards of 90 or 95% of kids coming out of college into the NBA are not physically ready to be in the NBA. That's not to say that their skill set could could mask their inability to bang down low, get offensive rebounds, take a foul, and still complete a three-point play instead of just getting thrown to the ground. But the physicality of the NBA game is so far superior to that of college basketball. And that's one of, again, the major growing pains that the kids go through. And that's something that could be honed in college is lifting more weights, becoming more NBA ready with regards to your body. The Connecticut win 60-54. They got out to a 30-15 to lead, just kind of smacked Kentucky in the face. And then as Kentucky's done all tournament, they stayed resilient. They came back. I think it was a four or six point game at halftime, which is a, which is a win for, for Kentucky being down 15 that quick. Shabazz Napier, Final Four MVP. I called this. I said he's the most important player on the court. He's a senior. He could have come out after winning the championship when Kemba Walker was the star of Connecticut against Butler in 2011, but he chose not to. He chose to stay a couple more years, especially after last year when Connecticut was barred, was banned from the NCAA tournament due to uh, academics. He stayed for a senior year. And he won a championship. And you could see how much it meant to these kids. I understand that winning a championship means a lot to any college athlete. But you could see how, how hard they worked and how much they persevered when everybody wrote them off. You know, it's Connecticut. They'll win one game. They might win two games, sneak into the Sweet 16. But there's no way they're going to make a run. And they did. He had 22, six boards, three assists. Uh, the assists I would have liked to see be a bit higher, but in a, in a one-game sudden-death format, you do what you do. You do, you do what you have to do to, to yield a victory for your team. And that's what he did. He hit a huge three in the second half when Kentucky came back. I think it was within one. And he just comes down and drains one from the top of the key. And that's followed by a turnover and, uh, and another three-pointer by Connecticut, which kind of gave them more breathing room. Julius Randle didn't have a very good game on the other side. You could see Connecticut's defensive scheme against him. They ran a loose double team on him for the majority of the first half. He finished with 10-6. and six. He only took seven shots. He's not... That kind of player. He's not a takeover game player. He's a double double machine. He's a thirteen and ten guy, which I think will translate to the NBA. He he does need to get bigger, still, but he's very nimble. He's quick on his feet, and he has a nose for the ball, which is something that, and I've talked about this. I talked about this yesterday. I think that is is an innate thing to a certain degree, and he's got it. But they took him out of the game right away. Loose double team. Whenever he touched the ball, whenever he received the ball, there was always the defender and a guy behind him, which kind of got him out of his rhythm. And, and, that, and that paid off for them, especially in the first half when they got out to that huge lead. The Harrison brothers, 
Was it a premonition? I mean, these guys weren't big scorers to begin with, but Aaron Aaron Harrison hitting those three those big threes in three back to back games might overshadow the moment to moment play that he has. And these kids are young. And I think it would be a mistake if they left for the NBA. Those two. I think Julius Randle is ready. And I think that James Young kid is definitely ready. He had 20-7 and seven last night. He had the monster jam, probably the best dunk of the tournament, just going right down the middle of the key. But they played like freshmen, especially for the first, you know, eight or ten minutes of that game. They play; they were playing scared, and I think that that was a common thread throughout the tournament for them. Yet, Coach Calipari didn't call a quick timeout like he like he would normally do. He just kind of let the kids play yesterday. He kind of let them play out of their funk, and I don't know if that was a detriment to them. I don't know if they never led in the game. I think, in my opinion, that this is the best time to call a quick timeout when you go down six or eight early in a game. Calm your kids down. Let the Connecticut fans get tired out through a timeout, you know, with their team up six early on. Let them scream and yell, and when the game starts back over, start the game over. Do what you do best. Get buckets in the key and offensive rebound. That's what got Kentucky here. It just seemed like they were lost and they could never recover. And oh boy, free throw shooting. Oh boy, oh boy. This is this is Memphis all over again against Kansas in the fi- in the finals uh years back. Thirteen of twenty four from the line. When you miss eleven free throws and have thirteen turnovers. You don't normally win those games. They didn't even shoot 40% from the field. But it was a good back-and-forth game. Shabazz Napier again. I have a man crush on this guy. I hope he goes top 10. Uh, People have compared him to Kemba Walker. I don't think he's the same player. I think he has higher NBA acumen than Kemba Walker did. Kemba was a shooting guard that was playing point guard because he was the best player on the team and he needed to have the ball in his hands at all times. And he went on one of the greatest runs any college basketball player ever has to get, first of all, get Connecticut into the tournament by having to win their conference championship to get in. And that was when the Big East was stacked. And then get all the way through the tournament, he was out of his mind. And I think that you can see with him in the NBA, it's taken him a little while to understand that he he's a combo guard. And I know that they're becoming more and more prevalent in the NBA now, which I think is an issue, losing the actual point guard position as a facilitator and and, and a score second player. I mean you see Steph Curry, Derrick Rose, Darren Williams, Chris Paul to a certain extent in big games will be a shoot first point guard. It's not a recipe for success. Shabazz Napier, he facilitates. He lets the game come to him. 
but he does have that killer instinct as well when need be. He's clutch. He's solid. He's mature. He's a little undersized, which could be problematic for him. But overall, I am over the moon about this kid. He averaged 18, 6, and 5 with two steals this year. I think that'll translate. I hope he goes to a good team with a good point guard that he can learn under. And not go to like Charlotte or some team that, that you know isn't going to win anytime soon. I know they made the playoffs this year, but I hope he goes somewhere good. Because there's a chance he could drop. I mean, even though he was the the uh, Final Four MVP, Jabari Parker, Andrew Wiggins, Julius Randle, Marcus Smart, Doug McDermott, there are guys that are going to go ahead of him. I don't know if Doug McDermott will. But if he ever staked his claim to be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft, it's pretty apparent now. It's pretty apparent what he can do, how he can lead a team that was an underdog in every game they played. To come out victorious, it's, it's out of control. And Kevin Ali, good for him. You could see how bad he wanted it, especially as a young coach, especially with what Jim Calhoun built there, a tradition of winning. Even though it was kind of marred towards the end, but good for him, and especially as a Yukon, as a Yukon Husky, where he played, it's a great story. I mean, I think it's a better story than the Wildcats if they were to win. On the other side of the break, I'm going to talk about the one and done rule. I'm going to talk about Calipari potentially going to the Lakers. I'm going to talk about why it was idiotic for Rex Chapman, in my opinion, to tweet out. The big news that Calipari's gone, win or lose, two hours before the game started. Alex Clancy, Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. I'll be back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports welcome back for my last ever sports talk 888-346-9144 follow me on twitter at clancy's corner just talking ncaa championship basketball game 60 54 connecticut victorious over kentucky great game great storylines it was just it was just a great tournament. You had your your Cinderellas, you had Dayton, you know, you had SF Austin who beat VCU. Uh some good storylines. Kentucky Wichita State, in my opinion. I mean, take I, I guess you could say Wisconsin, Kentucky was technically the best game of the NCAA tournament just because it it meant the most, it, aside from the national championship game. But I still think Wichita State, Kentucky had the most storylines and was the best game. I truly believe that it was a, it was a third round game, and I I will remember that one. I will remember Aaron Harrison's three three pointers in consecutive games, and I'll just remember Shabazz Napier. I, Dayton was a really was a really fun story, especially because uh, what was it eighty point seven percent of brackets were busted for the. For the Buffett Challenge after Dayton beat Ohio State, the first game of the first day of the tournament, <laughs> that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Dayton, you know, and and that's why this tournament is played because any given day, any given day, anybody can win. And Wisconsin, I'll give kudos to Wisconsin because I've been a naysayer forever. Because regardless of their seed, they never showed up in the tournament, and they played really well. They played really well in the Final Four. Just wasn't enough. They just ran into Aaron Harrison's bomb from 27 feet. So overall, great tournament. I'm excited for next year. Can't come soon enough. But in the meantime, pardon me, the one-and-done rule, Calipari doesn't agree with it. He says that it needs to be revised which is interesting to me because that's how he's made his money. But maybe he's just using the rules that he has at hand and making the best of it. It's like if people are going to leave anyways, I may as well get the best freshman talent I can, throw them on the floor, see if we can catch lightning in a bottle. And it happened once. Anthony Davis took him to the promised land. Didn't work so well with Derrick Rose. But, I mean, they had data upperclassmen on that team in Memphis. They just couldn't shoot free throws either. And for those of you that think that free throw shooting isn't important, Connecticut had the best free throw percentage ever for a team in the tournament that played at least three games. One, 101 of 115. It's almost 88%. By a team with that much pressure, all the spotlight, 
and they just delivered. They were 10 for 10 last night. Four huge ones down the stretch to clinch it. So just a little side note there. I've been talking a lot about the one-and-done rule, as is, as of most people. People have two stances. One, get your money where you can. That's Kwame's stance. If it's, if it's in front of you, why risk injury? Why risk less production in your sophomore year, a la Marcus Smart? We'll see how that transpires for him. If, you, if somebody's going to give you $20 million, you take it. Obviously, that doesn't go for most freshmen. You have your top-tier guys that'll come out that'll be top 10, top 15, and they'll get paid. And if they perform, they'll get a big contract for their second one. But then you have guys like Marcus Teague, who's the starting point guard for the Kentucky team that won in 2012. Never heard from him again. He's on the bench in Chicago, I think, still. So, I mean, it, it is a double-edged sword. If you get paid, then then go, I guess. I mean, I, I don't agree with that, but that's one, one, one side. The other side, which I truly believe in. I'm, I'm starting to see a little bit more of the other side, but I'll still hold pat that I think honing skills in college is more important than taking money right away. And that's easy for me to say because I'm sitting here in a booth. I don't know these kids' lives personally. I don't know... Their, their situations at all, familial. But I, I have no idea what their situations are. Everybody's different. If that's the way to go, to go out after your freshman year and get paid and help your family, then great. I'll never knock somebody for providing for their family. I do think, however, that it is detrimental to the NBA as an entity as a brand because the basketball that's being put out on the court now is so polarizing. You have really good teams, you have really bad teams. And everybody in the middle is just in purgatory. I do believe that comes from lack of polished basketball players coming out of college. And that comes with time. That comes with staying for more than one year. That comes with learning the theory behind the game, being more mature, being able to play as a teammate. That all comes from college basketball. You can't learn that in the D-League because everybody there is trying to get back up to the big show or get up to the big show for the first time. The parts are greater than the whole in the NBA DL. It's just like Summer Pro League. People are trying to get a spot, keep a spot. It's not like baseball where, you know, it's it's an individual game to a certain degree. I know there's camaraderie, I know there's strategy, I I know everything of the sort. I'm not I'm not discounting it. But you can't fake those numbers in baseball. 
Either you produce or you don't. In the NBA, you can be seen as a glue guy, you know, a defensive guy, uh, you know, a, a hustler, a, a facilitator. I don't know, but it doesn't always translate into the box score. And it must if you want to get bumped up to the NBA level. So for people that think NBA DL is the way to go and you don't have to go to college for one year, you can just go right to the NBA DL, I think that's even worse. Because it's a different brand of basketball. You need to be able to learn how to play basketball before going to the NBA, and that's why I take that stance. So we'll see what happens. I mean, we can talk about this till we're blue in the face, but until Adam Silver and apparently LeBron James and whoever's on his, uh, in his cabinet now talks about it and, and comes up with a plan, this is what we're stuck with. And, I mean, it's worked in college basketball because there's so much excitement. You're only going to have this guy for one year. You're only going to have you know so much time to watch him play. So make the most of it, go nuts as a fan, and then follow him in the NBA. I mean, I guess that's, that's what they're stuck with now. And that's the beauty of Connecticut because they were sophomores, juniors, and seniors in that starting five. They've been there before. Three of the guys on that roster were on the 2011 team led by Kemba Walker. So they understand what tradition is. They understand what UConn means to college basketball. It's not just a layover. Which is so important. So, we'll see what happens. John Calipari, apparently is going to be the new head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, This is news to me. that It was kind of news to everybody until Rex Chapman tweeted it out last night. I just... Especially somebody that went to Kentucky... that is their color commentator for the Kentucky basketball radio station. I just, I just can't understand. I can't understand the end game. This was his tweet and I'm going to shorten it quote word is win or lose tonight. It's a hashtag done deal. Cal to la la land to coach Mamba's Lakers hashtag no BS end quote. I mean, he's, I, I would think he's a credible source. And maybe Calipari knows something that nobody else does. Maybe Calipari knows that this one-and-done thing might be done soon. All powerful head coaches in professional sports have a pulse on exactly what's going on behind the scenes in their sport. Ask Pete Carroll. I mean, I, we talked about this. Pete Carroll... Skipped town before all the sanctions came down for USC. He found out. Somebody knew that, and somebody told him, so he left. He washed his hands of it. Had Lane Kiffin deal with it. So if he knows something's coming down, maybe it's time for him to go. He had an awful, awful stint. I think he was like 79 and 119 with the, with the Nets when he coached there. It, I think 96 to 99. Now, does this seem like something that's far-fetched for Jim Buss and the Lakers to do? 
with, with the new regime that the, the Lakers have in, in Los Angeles? No. Let's get a big name. Let's get somebody in here. Come on, somebody else. The, the, these two coaches that we're both paying, we're paying two coaches now. Mike Brown is just sitting on his keister. Well, he's getting paid by two teams. He's getting paid by Cleveland and by and by the Lakers. So that's a pretty sweet deal for him. So if they fire D'Antoni and they hire somebody else, they'll be paying three coaches at one time. Three head coaches. It's out of control. I'll talk about this more on the other side of the brick. I'll get into some playoffs. I'll get into Andre Brown signing for the Houston Texans, which I think is a huge thing, even though it's only a one-year deal. And uh, People that aren't football lovers don't even know who he is, which, which baffles me. Alex Lancey, Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. I'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. On the Voice America Sports Channel, the talk doesn't get any hotter. Now, some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. I'll get you. You can try and read my lyrics. Welcome back. Call me Lasseter Sports Talk, 888-346-9144. At Clancy's Corner on Twitter for me. Basketball-heavy show today. Talking John Calipari and the potential rumor. The potential idea of him becoming the next Lakers head coach. Um, I, I think this is all, you know, dust in the wind. Uh, Calipari even said himself that he said, quote, no, I'm right here at Kentucky. I got the best job. I've got a good group of kids. Love what I'm doing. Speculation, There's that's there every year I coach, end quote. So, well, the thing about a <laughs> good group of kids, they're probably going to be gone next year. So you're going to have another, you're going to have a, another nice group of kids uh, if you stay there. Uh, his final four at UMass and his final four at uh, Memphis were vacated due to NCAA violations. So, if he were to leave, 
you can't count out violations for Kentucky, in my opinion. Once you break, <laughs> once you do it once, violations, 12 years later you do it again. I mean, it, it's the Calvin Sampson thing. It's like, well, so, in Indiana, he did, he did impermissible phone calls. Suspended for five years from coaching in the NCAA. He went to coach in the NBA, came back, and now he has a job. Like three weeks after the five-year anniversary of when the sanctions were put down on him. So, I mean, people do not hold grudges for things that you've done in the past with coaching and sanctions against the NCAA. I mean, it's just not, it's not feasible to believe that coaches like that won't get coaching jobs again. Because they will. And if Calipari takes a job in the NBA, don't be surprised if violations go against Kentucky for recruiting violations or anything of the sort. And that's my opinion. I know this this is all projection, but I wouldn't be surprised. NBA playoff race is heating up. It's been getting really good. And I was worried at the beginning of the year because all the Eastern Conference teams were awful. They were all under 500 and it's kind of they've kind of righted the ship in the Eastern Conference. Well, partially because they all play each other, so they some team has to win. And and the better teams have risen to the top. Toronto's probably the surprise there, 45 and 32 is the is the 3 seed. They're tied for the 3 seed with Chicago right now. Five games to go. I mean, th- this is this is when it gets really exciting. The Knicks, two games out of the eight seed, doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs, and and that's a, that, that's a shame. I'm not going to talk about them. I promise. I want to focus on the Western Conference. I want to focus on the Phoenix Suns. They're a half game out of the seven seed, and they're a game up on, on Memphis for the eight seed. One of the some of the best news I've heard in a long time for the Phoenix Suns is when they go play San Antonio, Tony Parker's not going to be playing because he's sitting out the next two games, which is, I, that's pretty good news. That is pretty good news for the Suns. Because Tony Parker, I mean, anytime he's not on the court, is a good day. And I think... The Suns are playing him when he's not going to be sitting. He's he's sitting either two or three games. Um, you know the Suns need any break they can get at this point, and that would be a good break. You know, and I think they're just going to miss him if he ends up sitting three games. The the Suns will not see him. Uh, the Suns go to the Pelicans tomorrow, Wednesday. Spurs Friday, Mavericks Saturday, both on the road. Obviously, do the the Texas swing. These are all, they, they have to win. I mean, they have five games left. They must win three games, including the game at home, the, their only home game left in the season against the Grizzlies, Monday, April 14th, that I will be in attendance. That I'll be in attendance for, I should say. They need to stick together, 
Goran Dragic needs to take leadership, and I've said this over and over and over again. I'm going to throw up if I have to say it again. He needs to become the leader. He's kind of shined away, shown away when Eric Bledsoe came back. He had a big game against Oklahoma City. I think he had 26 against Oklahoma City, which was great. But he needs to become a vocal leader for this team, especially down the stretch, especially with the high-pressure situation that they're in right now. The fact that they could still make it out to the seven seed makes me believe that Memphis, neither Memphis nor Dallas wants to put their, puts their, put their flag in the dirt and say, hey, we're making the playoffs. Because they're both not playing well. Phoenix is probably playing the best out of the three in the last week. And this is the time where you have to shine. You have to shine. You have to win games. And we'll, we'll forget that the Suns gave up a 17-point lead to the Clippers because they beat Portland on the road and Oklahoma City at home in a three-game span. Have to win in New Orleans. They have to take care of business on the road because they're going to be playing. They're not going to have home court advantage throughout for any time in the playoffs, even if they do happen to win the first-round series. So they need to be able to win on the road. It pains me to say this, but I really love watching the Clippers play. Um, I've been giving Blake Griffin a lot of crap this year. Um, He he hasn't, he's, he's never performed well in the playoffs. And that's, I mean, that's pretty apparent. The fact that as talented as that team is, they never got out of the first round is kind of a testament to that. Chris Paul, he's so good. He's so good. He's so cerebral. He knows everything that he's doing before he does it. Everything is calculated. He uses the space on the floor so well, makes great passes, Dribbles between his legs around his back for a purpose and not just showboating like Blake Griffin does when he's, he looks like he's with the Harlem Globetrotters when he's dipsy doodling around the court. Chris Paul's main problem is that he takes over games too early in the playoffs. And this is, I've said this and I'll continue to say it and continue to say it and continue to say it. If your leading scorer is your point guard, you will not win a championship. Because it stalls everything. And I know he's not their leading scorer this year, but he goes from his traditional 18 and 11 in the regular season to 24 and 9, 24 and 8, 24 and 7 in the playoffs, which doesn't help his team win. It doesn't, that's not beneficial for the Clippers. If he took zero shots, it would be more beneficial than if he scored 28 points. And that's a weird thing to say. It doesn't really make much sense. And obviously I'm saying that to prove a point, that if he he had four points and 15 assists, much more beneficial than 20 points and five assists. Because he gets everybody involved. Everybody involved. DeAndre Jordan needs the ball given to him within a four-foot radius of, of of the basket, or he's worthless. I mean, that's harsh, but I mean, I, I think it's kind of true. Blake Griffin, make him shoot jumpers. He makes He's like Amari Stoudemire when he was with the Suns. First and third quarter can drain anything. Second quarter, getting a little tired going into halftime. Hits the front rim. He doesn't have a lot of arc on his shot. I'm talking Blake Griffin. Fourth quarter, legs are shot. 
doesn't make jumpers. That's when you make him make jumpers. Make him exert all of his energy early and then back off and make him shoot. Don't let him jump over you, but make him shoot in the waning moments of the game, and that's usually a recipe for success. And that's what playoff teams have done to them, and it's worked. So right now, as of this moment, they're matched up against Golden State. Nobody wants to be matched up against Golden State. They don't play defense, but they can outscore you. And the Clippers are the highest scoring team in the in the NBA this year. So that would be one of the most fun series to watch, especially in the first round, especially with all the hype that the Clippers have gotten. Bringing Doc Rivers in, I think, is one of the most overrated coaches in the NBA today. Again, that's my opinion. They're only a game out of the two seed, which is creepy to me. That Oklahoma City has just been, seems like they've been lethargic. It seems like they've lost a lot of games this year that they weren't supposed to lose, that they needed to win. That killer instinct doesn't seem to be there. And I think they're missing James Harden. They're missing that third wheel. I understand that Serge Ibaka was a strategic move to keep. I understand that because you need a big guy. You can't just run three guards and have a bunch of scrubs out there down low. Kendrick Perkins didn't really pan out. But it's Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant against the world. And that is not a recipe for success. They don't have much of a bench. Jeremy Lamb hasn't done much. Derek Fisher does what he does. He's going to be great for the playoffs. He'll hit his open threes, and that's just what he does. But when you have two guys taking, I think it was 51 shots they took combined against uh, the, the Suns on Sunday, it's not, you can't win that way no matter how good those two guys are. So if the Clippers make a push towards the end and they get to that number two seed, that will change the whole makeup of the playoffs. Because Oklahoma City could lose to Golden State if Golden State stays in the sixth seed. Golden State is a more talented Suns team. They have one of the best young point guards in the league. And that's not a category. That's an adjective. He's one of the best point guards in the league that happens to be young. Younger. Clay Thompson, one of the best shooters in the league, especially for his size. Andre Godala's good glue guy. He's, he's been underwhelming this year. But I believe that the uh, expectations were too high for him going there. But he's, he's a veteran guy. He hasn't touched winning, really. I mean, in, in, at a high level in the playoffs or in the, in, not in the NBA Finals. Andrew Bogut's fine. He's big. And big guys are few and far between. True traditional centers are few and far between. They have Jermaine O'Neal coming off the bench, which is great, and David Lee. I mean, that is a great lineup. Something is amiss. I think their bench is a little on the weak side. They traded for Jordan Crawford in the middle of the season, but I think getting rid of Jared Jack was a big problem for them. I think they should have paid him instead of letting him walk. And I think that they're feeling it now. Clippers one game out of the two seed. It's unbelievable to me. Got to take a break on the other side. Last segment, talk a little bit more NBA 
And I'll talk Andre Brown, like I promised I've been t- wanting to talk about the whole show. Alex Clancy, Carmen Lester, Sports Talk, Voice Talk, uh, VoiceAmerica.com. I'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Welcome back. Carmen Lester Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio solo. Final segment was a heavy NBA and basketball show today. Do you want to do a little football? Andre Brown agrees to sign with the Texans. That's the report. I think this is fantastic. I think this is absolutely fantastic for the Texans. He was a fourth-round pick by the Giants 2009. Had eight touchdowns in 2012 before breaking his leg and missing the final five games of the season. Hurt himself in the preseason this year, this past year. Um, came back game nine and crushed it. He came out of the gates firing. 100 yards rushing, two out of the first three games. Uh, he had a little little fumbling issue down the, down the stretch. I think he fumbled three times in the last few games. But I think he's going to be a great compliment to Arian Foster. He can catch the ball to the backfield. He's bigger. Uh, both of these leg injuries were kind of freakish. 
I mean, breaking your leg is it, it's not like it's not like tweaking an ankle or, or or tearing an ACL or something in that in that regard. You know, it's you can come back from that. And it's, again, that's easy for me to say sitting here in an air conditioned booth, but. I think it's a great signing. I think he wanted to get out of there because the Giants signed Rashad Jennings. They still have David Wilson, who they believe in, I guess, in New York. I'm not really sure as to why. But with the quarterback situation in in Houston up in the air, this is a great signing for them. They still have DeAndre Hopkins. They still have Andre Johnson. They still have Garrett Graham. They still have guys that can produce on the offensive side of the football. They just don't have a quarterback. Case Keenum. I guess is their is their uh, opening day starter at this point. So I'm not sure what they're going to do. Do you take the best athlete, Jadavian Clowney, go defense, and kind of suck it up, or, or draft the quarterback in the second round? Hope that hope that somebody falls. Or do you go all in on a quarterback, number one overall pick? This is a this can be a franchise shifting pick for them. Really positive or really negative. And traditionally number one overall picks are, but on the cusp of where Houston is right now and where they can go, especially in that division that's pretty much a two-team division with Indianapolis and themselves, this is gigantic. I'm not sure if it's out of the realm that they would trade their pick. I, it, there's been no reports saying that they would, so I'm not, I would assume that that's not going to happen, but who knows what happens on draft day. You draft out, you, you move down, you get two first-round picks. I don't know if that would be beneficial for them. I just know that they need to make the correct pick. They need this pick to work out. Going from 13-3 and three to 2-14 and 14 is... I know two and fourteen is it was a premonition. There, there's no way that they're going to go two and fourteen again, especially with the offensive firepower that they have. I think getting rid of Matt Schaub was a pro, was a mistake. I truly believe that. I think he's a top twenty quarterback. It's better than what you have now, unless you want to go and take a shot at Johnny Manziel. That that's is that the the other sider, Blake Bortles, that nobody heard about before the year started. I don't see those two as feasible. Of of the two, I would say Johnny Manziel, and I've said that, that if you have a two-running back system and a solid defense, and that solid defense requires Brian Cushing to be on the field for more than six games, then Johnny Manziel might be an interesting choice, an educated choice, if you have all those things in place. I think Andre Brown is a downgrade from Ben Tate, first of all, because... You know, he knew the offense, even though there's a new head coach now. There's so many ways they can go, and they need to make the right decision. Having said all of that, who do I think the right decision is? Jadavion Clowney. <laughs> so, they're, they're in a situation... And, I mean, if they do draft a Javian Clowney, then they have to be looking at a quarterback in the second or third round. I would say primarily the second round.
man, Johnny Manziel. There's no way they're going to draft Johnny Manziel. But on the other side of that, if you pass up on Johnny Manziel, and he performs, and he succeeds with flying colors, you'll never hear the end of it, especially being in Texas. Bill O'Brien is an offensive guy, the new head coach who, who came from uh, Penn State, who before that was with the Patriots, as a quarterback and wide receiver coach. He's an offensive guy. So this could be him instilling himself onto the Houston Texans franchise. And he's like, I'm taking a quarterback. This is what I know. This is what you hired me for. So does he take a quarterback and, and go somewhere with, with what he knows best, which is the offensive side of the football? Or do you draft a defensive beast and work with what you got and draft a quarterback later? And you show what an offensive genius you are with what you have. Which isn't, which isn't bad. I'll bet there's a lot of teams that would like to have that offensive lineup. They need to get another offensive tackle, but they need a quarterback. So it, it, this is this is Bill O'Brien comes in and right away change the face of the franchise in one second because whoever they draft will now be the new face of the franchise. JJ Watt might have something to say about that. Aaron Foster might have something to say about that, but. The latter of the two really doesn't have much room to uh, to wiggle here because he can hardly stay on the field. Man, it's a very, very interesting topic. Either way, I do believe that Andre Brown was a, was a nice pickup for them, and that will lock up that will lock up their running back core. Uh, they have Dennis Johnson over there who showed flashes last year as, as the third stringer when Aaron Foster and Ben Tate got hurt. But I truly believe that if Bill O'Brien runs them 50-50 and doesn't run Aaron Foster into the ground, then run Andre Brown into the ground when Aaron Foster inevitably gets hurt, knock on wood, because I don't want anybody to ever get hurt. But that's just what's, been, what's happened in his whole career. If he does that 50-50, They could they could make some noise. They could win that division. People will quickly forget how bad they looked this year. How the fans booed Matt Schaub when he got hurt. How going two and fourteen seemed catastrophic. Got the coach fired. Bringing a Belichick guy. Maybe he's the next one. Maybe he's the next one. Take his team to a Super Bowl. Who knows? Alex Clancy, Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk. My time is done. We will see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for
for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. <laughs>